if your eight-year-old you could walk right up to you and ask you one question, just one question, what do you think he would say? Do you ever play anymore? Do you ever have fun anymore? Come out, come out, come out, come out and play with me. Come out and play for a change. Welcome to Playing for a Change. This is your host, Brandy Heather. This podcast is dedicated to navigating life's messiness and unpredictability, where we use play as a catalyst for change and connection. Come on in. This playground is for everyone. Do you ever play anymore? Today on the playground, I want to talk about the fact that there are many things we know about but do not discuss. Snot and gas are two of those things we rarely talk about, but all have. Sometimes it's because it's impolite dinner conversation, or because our parents told us not to, or we're scared of what people might say or think, and we stay away from that topic. Have you ever been outside on a cold day with a running nose that won't stop, and put a mitten or a sleeve up to catch it, and, in Canada... You end up with a frozen snot mitten. Or, have you ever swum in salt water only to realize why they sell compressed saline in bottles for congestion? Or have you bent over in Shavasana at a yoga class only to loudly announce the broccoli and cabbage salad you had for lunch? This happens to everyone. But when was the last time you talked about it or admitted it? You see, we are prone to finding all sorts of ways to fit in, and snot and gas, we have decided, is embarrassing. But do you even know where being embarrassed about it came from? Because with kids in play, snot and gas is everywhere. Why? Because we haven't taught them to feel bad about it yet. Just the other day, I watched a kid on a ski hill suck the snot hanging from his nose, almost from the ground, back up to his head so that he could beat his friend to the chairlift line. No hesitation. Snot everywhere. When we are in play, we get this same feeling, a kind of invincible, the snot does not matter kind of feeling. How long has it been since you were so carefree you didn't care who saw it, or heard it, or knew it? What do we do to hide these embarrassing things? We don't always have a tissue, or a mitten for that matter, and we certainly can only hold a fart in for so long, or let it out so slowly that it's painful before it, yep, makes a sound. That's what talking about mental illness feels like to me sometimes and to many other people that I work and play with. There are spaces where we feel incredibly empowered to share and connect and those places are places where we feel our most authentic. And then there are places where we whisper and hide in fear of anyone seeing our snot, our mess. But you see, this is part of us. But often we turn away or leave or apologize. We wipe and run and escape. 
How does all of this relate to a young mom and college professor in a mental institution? Let me tell you. There are only two extremes in the psychiatric hospital. Either full shame or none at all. Either the mitten was in your face the entire time or there was snot everywhere. With everything, not just bodily fluids and gas. You see, after I had created my freedom frog and let some of the perfection and self-loathing go, I recognized an opportunity for play, for me. And I started to lean into my artistic side again and see people instead of patients. I started to explore wood and building, which I had never done before, but here there was very little to get in my way, including how I felt about myself and my own ability. You see, some people would say, oh, what a horrific thing you went through, but I grew here. Many of the characters in the hospital had very few filters for their snot. And I quickly learned how to avoid getting in anyone else's mess. One of the characters was an older-than-me woman who would scream out at the birds through the window for what seemed like all day long. And I would think, wow, are you really screaming at those birds again? On day one, I gave this person such a wide berth, hoping she wouldn't come after me or hurt me or talk to me. And I thought, now she, now she is screwed up and sick. What the hell am I doing here? And she would scream at those birds all day. But I got used to it. And all of a sudden, when you start to care about yourself, you don't see everyone else's stuff as threatening and scary. And what I found out was that if you waited long enough, that same woman had every one of those birds named. She would talk to them all day. She valued them. They were hers and maybe her only thing. You see, in four weeks, no one came to see her and the attendants ignored her until it was time to eat or bathe. And even then, everything seemed like a fight. Again, she was wearing her snot and gas out loud for everyone, so no one approached. One day, when she stopped long enough to sit in the common area, I approached, and I said, Hi. It took everything in me. I was so scared of saying it wrong or upsetting her. I was afraid of her mess getting on me. But guess what she did? She smiled. Yep, no words, just a smile. I said, I like your birds too. And like I wasn't even there, she started to name them. I won't share her name for privacy, but she taught me to hold the judgment and that when I am feeling the worst, the chances of me being kind and generous and considering the lens of others is not great. When we are scared, we can be the worst versions of ourselves, 
and all the snot and gas? Well, it matters. It matters intensely. But when we can breathe and lean into ourselves and ask, what is it that makes me so uneasy about that? Where did I learn to feel so uneasy about the mess of others? This could be screaming, it could be language, maybe personality, the way people move or act or their personality traits that is different from what I would do or who I am. But I realized, wow, how do I feel about me right now? Because there's a pretty good chance I feel good about judging someone other than, well, me. Everyone has snot and gas. And it's okay if you want to avoid the things you're afraid to lean into. But ask yourself, what is it that really bothers me about that? And where did I learn it? Where do I see it repeated? And how can I adapt and lean in and be curiously kind? How can I ask that person who I'm not sure is okay today? Hey, everything okay? Anything I can do to help? You see, play allows us to be in a space where the mess matters less. Or not at all. When was the last time you were there? That's all from the playground today. Don't worry about the snot and gas. Go find your play. Do you ever play anymore? Do you ever have fun anymore? Come out, come out, come out, come out and play with me. Thanks for playing today. If you want to hear more about how finding your play is connected to mental health, business, and education, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Play for a change. This is the promo. Amp to Play was founded on the belief that everyone has active movement potential. That's AMP, in which movement encompasses our ability to move ourselves physically, mentally, socially, or emotionally. Movement is change, and whether in community health or education or corporate sectors, our goal is to deliver education of active movement potential. Find your AMP today. Play is when we are most open to taking risks, when we feel are most capable and confident. In these moments, we are in self-discovery and expression. We're learning and reaching and attaining new experiences, skills, and abilities. Being immersed in creative change is necessary to understand adaptation and the ability to cope in any environment. Follow us at amptoplay.com. Subscribe to Play for a Change on your favorite podcast channel.